to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Kev. And uh, thank you, Ian and Anne. Really appreciate you folks for uh, sharing with us and taking us through communion. Friends, it's again wonderful to be in the house of the Lord. How about saying this with me? One day in the house of the Lord is... A thousand elsewhere. Come on, one more time. We've got a few more people here today, so let's try it one more time. One day in the house of the Lord is... Ah, that's good. And better than a thousand elsewhere is... Nothing like one day in the house of the Lord. Is one day in the house of the Lord. No? Okay, good. Well, now that I've confused you this morning, let's, let's turn to the Lord and ask Him for, for uh, just a sense of um, pulling our thoughts together, pulling our mind together, casting down every vain imagination. Let's bring that under the subjection of the Lord this morning. Laying down my vain imagination, focusing my thoughts upon you, Lord. Meditating in your loving presence, not allowing fear in anymore. Capturing my wandering thoughts before you. Casting them before my Lord and King. Just casting them before my Lord and King. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we look to you this morning and we continue to thank you for what you're doing in our midst, Lord. We continue to thank you for what you're doing in and around um, this, uh, this world, Lord, Father, where so many things are difficult to understand. The season we are in is, is hard for us to... It's hard, it's hard for us to, to, to even comprehend, Lord. And so we come before you. We bring our minds, we bring ourselves, ourselves before you. We bring those who are dear to us, Lord, before you, Lord. We bring those who are going through pain before you, Father. We, we bring those who are facing just uh, uncertainty at this, at this point in time, Lord, whether, whether they're safe. Whether, whether the strong man would come to try and take their possessions, Lord. Whether their businesses will be looted or whatever, Lord, the, the, the fear might be at this point in time. Lord, we want to remember them. We bring them before you and we ask for the peace of God. Your word says pray for the peace. Pray for the peace of God. And so, Lord, we pray that your peace will come and descend upon us. Descend upon um, places where uncertainty is, 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 is just uh, on the rise, Lord. And we again pray that many will turn to you as their hope. Because, Jesus, you, you are indeed our hope, Lord. And we thank you. You are stronger than the strong man. Yes. Whatever that may bind us, whether it's our fear, whether it's our anxiety, Lord, we know that you're greater than that. 
And so we just want to acknowledge that. We want to start off by saying, you are amazing. You are bigger than the biggest. You are greater than the greatest, Lord. You are stronger than the strongest. And so we acknowledge that today with, with certainty. Not just, uh, uh, not just uh, uh, declaration uh, without any sense of knowing, but today, Lord, we believe that. We, we, we attest to that, Lord, and we thank you. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, I've entitled, I've entitled my message today, United We Stand and Divided, divided We Fall. And uh, you, you've heard the passage that was read earlier. I just want to read the, the passage from, uh, from Luke chapter 11, verse 14 to 22. Um, One day Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. And when the demon was gone, the man began to speak and the crowds were amazed. But some of them said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Others, trying to test Jesus, demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. He knew their thoughts. So he said this, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You say, I am empowered by Satan. But if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? How can a divided kingdom survive? And if I'm empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too. So they will condemn you for what you have said. But if a man casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Isn't that awesome? That the kingdom of God has arrived among us. For when a strong man is fully armed and God's... His palace, his possessions are safe until someone even stronger attacks and, and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons, carries off his belongings. You know, in the day and age we live in today, we, we have security cameras, we have an alarm system, we have security guards, even, um, and some who can afford it, have security guards around their homes, around their businesses and all of that. Why? So as to safeguard their possessions, right? But there is someone that is far greater than the strong man. There is someone that is far, uh, far greater than our own, our very own fears. And we want to, we we want to, we want to dig a little, a little deeper into this. So, what what do you think was the setting of this passage? This was spoken in Galilee, and in, in this parable. Right now, Jesus here is 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 healing, right, of a deaf, of a uh, sorry, of a demon possessed man, and that healing becomes now the catalyst for this encounter between Jesus and the unbelieving Pharisees. Now, the crowd tried to make a connection here between Jesus and who he is, and and. And, and whether he is this Messiah that they, that they are hoping to see and have been praying and been wanting to really see come into their midst, right? 
So does this healing of a demon-possessed man now indicate that very thing that Jesus is the Messiah? That's the question, right? So this was the question that they posed to the religious leaders here. And uh, who are the Pharisees? Now the Pharisees, in those days, they were the, the, they were the real thinkers, right? They was, they, that's how they prided themselves that, uh, you know, we knew, um, we, we're the ones that, that, that are the more learned ones. We are the ones that think. So imagine this. They're asking, they're asking these learned individuals, is, is he now the Messiah? And so, so they begin to respond, and their response is this. It was a denial of the, of the miracle that G, of, of, the, of the miracle that Jesus did and that he is the Messiah. In fact, their claim was this, that Jesus is amongst the league with Satan. He's on the similar league with Satan. The prince of darkness or the prince of demons. And we, we've heard that in the passage of scripture that was read by, uh, by uh, Kevin and, and the passage that I read. So from Matthew and from Luke, right? But what does, how does Jesus then now respond? There is a response that we find in this passage of scripture. So you, you've understood the setting. The setting was to try and, and, and refute what Jesus did. And we live in a world where so often, so many people want to refute what Jesus has done, right? The claims of Christ, so many. So it's not, it's not, uh, it's, it's not new. It started way back then in itself, right? So, but Jesus' response is, is, I think, really amazing. So just reading through the parables in itself helps us really understand this. Remember what the parables are. They are a story that Jesus used to begin to draw some sort of a link. There is a parallel there. And as how some people have put it, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So the first thing that Jesus does is this, that he engages and interacts uh, with the false claim. And knowing their thoughts, he says this in verse 25. The Pharisees said something false, and Jesus immediately challenges their false statement and thinking. Right? He does not become passive at this point in time. Or just let it go. Right? He loves them enough to engage, to begin to speak the truth, and doesn't just dismiss this. Right? So it's not like as if, you know, he's saying, ah, I'll just let, it'll be just like water that runs off a, a, a duck's back, you know, in that sense. But he doesn't, he doesn't just leave it like that. Now, he could have easily said this, hey, these guys, you know, they're really, they're, they're, they're really, they're, they're hopelessly lost. So why am I going to waste my time now with them? Why should I really waste my time? No, he, he didn't. Right? I should not let this go. And the reason being is that they were indoctrinated by some measure of teaching. They were indoctrinated by their culture, by their belief system. So he felt a responsibility to explain in a manner that they could understand. So this is, this is Jesus, our first apologist, right, beginning to use this. And, and, and he's used the context of what now we understand as apologetics to try and refute the... the 
the false statements that they're making about him. How wonderful f- to be able to learn directly from Jesus himself, right? Now, and he responds, the se- his second response was this, that he responds with logic and reason arguments, right? To show that the Pharisees were wrong. So he used logic, and then he began to reason with them, and he said this. Now, he gives three, three fairly, I feel, fairly airtight uh, arguments to show that the claim that the Pharisees were making about him were wrong. So his argument number one was this. Jesus said to them, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against him, against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. Tissue, please. Thank you. And his own kingdom will, will, will not survive. A, a judge... Thank you. A judge who gives... The message version says this. A judge who gives opposite verdicts of the same person cancels himself. Right? A family that is constant, that, that, a family that's in a constant squabble disintegr- disintegrates. If Satan banishes Satan, is there any Satan left? <laughs> what an amazing question. If Satan banishes Satan, is there any Satan left? Right? That's the, that's the message version. Now, many who are husbands and wives, I don't know whether you've gone through marriage where you've really agreed with one another all the time. Now, we understand that, you know, divorce comes about because there's, there's disagreement. Right? Often it's because of that, and that could be a stack of other reasons. But for those who continue to remain married, I... Do you, you, remain, you remain married because, is it because you are fully united, you fully agree all, all of the time? I, 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 I bet my, bo- my bottom dollar that that's, that's definitely not the case, right? And, uh, you know, this, this year, my wife and I, we're going to be mar- married for, uh, I kind of stumbled there a little bit, right? You must be thinking... No, I'm, we're, we're married for about, not about, we're married for 30 years. <laughs> Just wanted to be very sure here because she's right here looking right at me, right? So we're married 30 years in December. In 9th of December. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, in all of those 30 years, we've always agreed upon everything. <laughs> everything we agree. Because whatever I say, she just says yes. <laughs> or whatever she says, I say yes. And that's obviously, you, you would certainly know that that's, uh, that's a lie, right? I mean, several people, you know, they often say, I, and, I've, and I've heard this at, uh, at, at weddings, whenever they preach, they, they, they advise the couple, this guys, you better learn these words. Yes, dear, these two words, yes, dear. So when your wife says something, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear. That's, that's the first thing. Now, I still, after 30 years, haven't really learned that. That's, that, 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 ain't, that isn't, doesn't seem to be part of my vocabulary as yet. 
that. But I want to share an interesting thing with, uh, with, with all of us here. A couple of years ago, we, we, we attempted to sell our home. And uh, we agreed. And as we agreed, we also realized that through that, through that journey, though we may have agreed, there wasn't a sense of unity. But we agreed because we felt that's probably the right thing to do and that's what we wanted to do. And we tried to reason with one another. And, uh, and unfortunately, that didn't come through. And, and recently, we, we felt a need to put that up again. But this time, there was a marked difference between us. There was not only an agreement, but there was a sense of unity. And, and, and why do you think I'm saying that? Because often in times, we may agree about something, but there is a disunity inside. And, and we agree because we feel that's the right thing to do. So let's just, let's, let's just agree anyway. But inside, we are divided. Inside, we are divided. And, and, and I want to say this. There's, it's, what a stark difference that we ourselves have seen in this journey that, that we are on. And so the Lord has really taught us wonderfully. You know, because, and, and, and I also want to say this. Sometimes the, the disunity that is in there is a timing aspect that God begins to work within our lives. So, so as, as these individuals, so that's a, that's a practical example of, of something that when you find that, 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 that you are divided in, what your heart even desires may not eventually come to pass. But when you come into unity, and as Matthew 18, 19 says this, right? It says that where two agree upon anything on earth, it shall so be done in heaven. Imagine the power of unity that the word of the Lord begins to prescribe to us, right? And any kingdom that fights against itself will end up in ruins, it says here. And any family or community splintered by strife will fall apart. So if Satan cast out Satan, he is making war on himself. That's the passion version. How then could his kingdom now survive? So in other words, Jesus is now telling the Pharisees this, that their claims that he is casting out demons by the power of Satan is simply ludicrous. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's downright foolish. And, and it actually really makes no sense. So everyone knows that a kingdom or military force is doomed if there is inner fighting within the kingdom in itself or within the military force, right? Within that group. In effect, Jesus is saying, it's silly to think that I am a servant of Satan while at the same time I am fighting Satan by casting out his demons. Could Jesus be a double agent? I mean, that's a horrible strategy. Now, what's the second, what's the second argument then? The second one is this. It involves proof, right? So the first is that, uh, sorry, the, um, the, the, the first is that any kingdom divided by civil war is, is doomed, is, is doomed. So division, that's, that's the first argument. The, the second argument is that it involves inconsistency. So if Satan empowers me to cast out demons, who empowers your exorcists to cast them out? Go ask them for what they do proves that you're wrong in your accusation in verse 7, it says that. 
So Jesus points out that, that there were other Jewish exorcists present who were involved with casting out demons. And he now begins to say this now. But why is it that the Pharisees, now why is it that you did not have or you don't seem to have a problem with these exorcists? Now, so what right do you now have to begin to reject mine if you accept theirs? That's what he's saying, right? What right did they have to accept what their own exorcist did while rejecting Jesus, the work that Jesus was doing? And we live in a day and age where we find that there are so many, there are so many that reject his work, right? The third argument that he uses is, is proof. And it involves proof. And it says this, But if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you in verse 28. Now this is a call that he is making now to all of us to believe correctly and for, us, for this to be lined up with reality. So he's saying, come on, get, you know, get, 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 get real. Get real with what's, with what's, really, with what's really happening. Right? The truth is that Jesus is casting out de- demons is the evidence that the kingdom has come upon the hearers, those who are hearing Jesus. Because miracles give evidence that Jesus is the king who can bring, that Jesus is the king who can bring in the kingdom of God. Amen. So miracles is an evidence. That's the currency. You know, uh, I remember a couple of years ago when we went, uh, when my wife and I, we went to, um, uh, to Austria and to, uh, I think, to Prague. Yeah. And we had, obviously, Australian dollars. And so when we went there, we had to convert that to, uh, to euros. And obviously, you know, uh, the currency uh, uh, euros is, is a lot higher than the Australian dollars. And we couldn't use Australian dollars to purchase anything. We had to use euros because that was the currency. So the currency of heaven is these miracles. It's the supernatural, right? That's the, that's the currency. And, and within our minds, it's, it's difficult to understand how we begin to virtually use the power and the authority that, that, God, has, uh, that God has given us. Now, uh, authority, I just want to use this very simple example. Authority is, is different from power. Right now, when you see a, a a policeman, and when he waves his hand to stop the traffic, is he exercising power or is he exercising authority? He's exercising authority because he's not using his physical strength to to resist the traffic that's coming. Because people know that he has authority, we know that he has authority, and so he begins to utilize that. That authority. So, uh, uh, and Jesus says that He's given us that authority. That you and I have that have that uh, have that authority. Amen. Come on, I'm sure you're excited about the fact that you and I have that authority. But let's let's continue on with this, and I'll and and I'll 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 share a little bit more about that that context. And so the crowd gathered there. Origin the, the the crowd that had gathered there originally thought that. That this ad, that Jesus definitely was the Messiah, 
And at the same time, now they're asking this. So they're asking the Pharisees this because of what had happened. They're saying now, could this man now be the Messiah? Could he be the Messiah? Because he's got authority over the, over the demonic realm. And that was evidenced right during the time of Jesus. So Jesus now is calling on his audience now to make the correct connection between what he does and who he is. Right? So he's inviting them now. Come on, think. Provide. This is, this is, this is sig- significant here. I'm, I'm proving this. This is proof that the kingdom of God now has come to you. So at this point in time, Jesus already knew that the Pharisees were out to kill him. He knew that. They were out to, and, and they were against him. So united we stand again, divided we fall. So their mindset was to bring division. Come on, let's, let's divide. Divide and rule, divide and conquer. So, you know, uh, you know this, uh, this, this, move, this uh, science fiction movie, Men in Black. I don't know whether you've seen it, but it's about an organization, actually, that is responsible for defending the Earth from aliens from outer space. Now, at one point in the, in, in the middle of pursuing a particular nasty space insect, Agent K from the men, of, uh, from the men in black says this to his new partner, Age, Agent M. There's always an alien battle cruiser or a Corlean death ray or an intergalactic plague about to wipe, wipe out life on this planet. And the only thing that lets people get on with their hopeful lives is that they don't, they don't even know about it. Well, Agent K is right. If we knew that there really was an alien force that was threatening humanity, destroying human life as such, then everything would change. Wouldn't it be right? Things which seem so important to us would become trivial. Money, possession, success. So many things just wouldn't matter anymore in the face of, pros- of the prospect of destruction. Right? So there is a force in the world which threatens all of human life. And it is a force far more dangerous and sinister than this alien battle cruiser. Then global warning, uh, warming. Then the risk of nuclear war. It is more lethal than any plague or virus that's before us. And friends, this is not science fiction. But this is biblical fact. Amen. This is biblical fact, right? Amen. So that threat to human life is what the Bible calls the devil. Or Satan. Or Beelzebub. And the only thing that, that, that really lets people get on with their hopeful little lives is that they don't seem to know about it. A lot of people don't know about it. So, I, I want to say this. And this is not elevating him in any way, but the devil is real. He is the strong man being referenced here this morning in this text. The devil isn't some little comic character with horns and kind of a, you know, this, this forked tail. That's not, that's not him. 
The devil is the prince of demons. Now here are some of the things that the Bible says about the devil. The devil appeared to Adam and Eve disguised as a serpent and tempted them to disobey God. The devil was originally an angel, but he rebelled against God and was thrown out of heaven. The devil tempted Judas to betray Jesus and he continues to tempt people today. The devil is also known as Satan, the adversary. The enemy and the evil one and the deceiver. The devil blinds people spiritually. So Jesus calls him a liar and the father of lives. So the Bible makes it really clear that the devil exists. The devil is a real enemy and a real threat to human life. And he's not alone. He has his allies. More fallen angels, which the Bible refers to as evil spirits or unclean spirits or demons. So the Bible speaks about demons or evil spirits more than a hundred times in Scripture. Right? In different places, it refers to demons as rulers, authorities, powers, dominions, and thrones. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Let, let, let me read this. Put on the full armor of God so that you may you so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of darkness. Sorry, against the uh, powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, after everything, you still stand. So the devil and all of his minions controlling the world and keeping people away from God. That's, that's his agenda. That is the devil's agenda, right? And it says very clearly that for we are not, our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, not against one another, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark age, and against these, against these spiritual forces in, that, that's evil within, within the heavenly realm. Now, I want to say this. Ignorance is not bliss. <laughs> it isn't. I've used that many times. Hey, ignorance is bliss, you know. But it isn't. At least in this case. It is why we find ourselves in strife, in anxiety, and yes, probably even in depression. This is what also really contributes, the, the context of ignorance I'm saying, contributes to the rise of mental health. When we are unaware of the ploys and the tactics and the schemes of the devil and, and his force and his intention. So the, so the enemy here, the devil and, and demons exist, but most people don't know it. We just push it by the wayside, right? And unfortunately, this is more apparent within the Western world. Ephesians 2, it says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. 
Now, all of us live among them at one time. All of us also lived among them, sorry, at, at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Now, if you were to talk to Christians that live in Africa, in India, or in South, Am South America, where witch doctors and, sh and, and shamans pr uh, practice and voodoo and magic, th that's, that's, all, that's all common within that, right? They can influence people to do evil. In the extreme cases, demons can so invade a person's life that they can speak and act through them, through their human victim. When I, when I accepted the Lord at the age of 19, a couple of years after that, maybe a year and a half or two, uh, we, 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 uh, I, I had encountered this, where we had someone who came to us that was, that was uh, charmed by, by some certain individuals, and this person was possessed and didn't know. Right, they tried so many different sources and all of that, but eventually came to our church. And as we began to pray, the Lord began to reveal and show that this individ individual had been possessed. Right, and uh, and and after much prayer, as we began to cast the demons out, this person was released, and she was delivered. And what freedom she began to experience. Right. And friends, this is, this is real. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean that, it, that it's not real. I've never been to Iceland. Doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Right, it does. It, I mean, it doesn't mean that the, the, that the places that we haven't gone to doesn't exist. Right, here in the West, we don't have witch doctors or, or voodoo so much. You know, as much as we see happen in, in other countries. So, so the main ways in which people come into contact with, demon, with demons is through dabbling in the occult. And I want to I, I share, I, I, I share this because this is something that, we, that happens here within the context of the Western world. Uh, where there's casting of spells, there's witchcraft, right? We call it Wicca. We dabble with fortune telling, with tarot, tarot cards, astrology, crystal balls, all of these aspects, spiritualism, spiritism, clairvoyance, medium, seances, all of these practices are very dangerous because they bring people into contact with the demonic or with the, with the spiritual world, right? Now in Deuteronomy 18 verse 9, it says this, when you enter the land, the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery or in interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells or who is a medium or a spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable in the Lord. And because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. Now, it may sound kind of weird or it may sound kind of science fiction, what, I, what, what we've just read, but this is real. This is scriptural, this is, this is biblical, right? Whilst this may be bad news, that the devil is real or the demons are real, we've got great news too. 
Whilst they may be dangerous and powerful, we know of one that is far greater, far more powerful than that. And that's the good news. And that's what I want to end here with. The good news is the fact that whilst the devil may exist, we have a God that has overcome that. Right? We have a God that has overcome that. So then they brought him, in verse 22, the demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both now begin to talk and see all of the people People were astonished and, and, and said, could this now be the Messiah? Could this now be, be the Messiah? You know, in Mark chapter 1, it says this, that they went to Capernaum and, uh, and, and on the Sabbath that they came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Now, the people were amazed at his teaching because they taught them as one who had authority. Not as the teacher of the law, as we see in verse 23, but a, just, just then, and this is interesting, just then in the synagogue, just then, there was a man who was possessed by an evil spirit. He cried out. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Now the people were, 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 the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. And he even gives orders to the evil spirits and they obey him. News about him began to spread so quickly over the whole region of Galilee. that Jesus drove out demons. One of the major reasons for the growth of the early church was that there were miracles. The miracles of deliverance. So, just to reiterate this and, 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 and to bring this to a close here. Satan is a strong man. That's his primary application from this parable. That's a primary application. Now, that's a secondary application. And, and, and that is there are strong men or strong men in a sense that you, you'll understand what I'm about to say. So, within the context of human beings, ourselves. What is strong within ourselves is our sinful thinking. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So it's the way we think. Our sinful desires in James chapter 4 verse 1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? An undisciplined life is another strong element within our lives. Proverbs 5.22 says this, The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. And the last one here is this, that the fear of man is another strong man that acts within us. That the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. 
you know, in the context of this parable, the, the strong man has talks about possessions, right? That someone stronger will come and deliver. So what was the strong man's possession? What is it? Where is it? It is this realm of man. It is this territory. It's this, it's, it's, it's this, it's the position, it's the uh, pos- possessions within the context of this world, right? That's, that's what it is that this parable is really outlining here. And it says here in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. And how do we know that it says this? Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary or your adversary, the devil, prowls, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So this is his region. This is his, this is his realm. But he also says to, to Simon Peter, and he says, Hey, Simon, Simon. I'm paraphrasing this. Because what you may see on the screen is, is not exactly what I'm, I'm saying in verbatim. Paraphrasing it, and I'm saying this. Simon, Simon. Satan will come and will sift you like wheat. So even we as believers are susceptible, friends. But as I said, there is someone far greater. And he's not just, he's not just Jesus, it is you, my friend. That's the good news. You are far greater than the enemy. Why? Because 1 John 4, 4 says this. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is far greater than he who that is in the world. And whoever that you're sitting with, come on, rejoice at the fact that you are greater. So today's message is not to create fear. But today's message is to actually tell you this and to share with you that the devil is real. The enemy is real. And that we shouldn't be fighting one another. But we should realize that there are powers that are greater. There is this, this kingdom that is there that, is being, that has been established by the enemy. And that we play a part in giving allegiance to that by the way we live. By not exercising our authority. By giving him, by having, by, when I say giving him, meaning giving him the foothold, by having more, uh, more faith in our fear than having faith in God, in its, uh, God himself. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For he who hath made him to be sin for us, he knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, friends, the Lord has made you and I righteousness. We are righteous. We are the righteousness of Christ. And if we come into that truth, we will be able to, to destroy anything that is before us, any powers that try to take a hold of us. And, and you know, the good news that you need to hear is this. You need to know what the future of the enemy is. You know, and I, I, 
in, in Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 it says this, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So a time is coming when the enemy, when the devil is going to be cast into the lake of fire. I used to remember uh, this, this song by, gosh, I can't, I, uh, man, I can't remember the, the, the singer. It's quite a while. But anyway, in it, he portrays, he portrays Satan, right, sitting on his throne, and one of Satan's lieutenant comes, and, and, uh, and he begins to, begins to tell Satan this, and he says this, that, you know what, the, 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 the believers are beginning to wise up. They're, they're praying, they're on their knees praying, and all of that, and he says, no, that's, that's not good enough. Have you done this? He says, yes, I've, I've done this. And he says, have you done this other thing? Yes, I've done that. And then Satan now tells the lieutenant this. Have you now reminded them of their past? Meaning of their sin and how they failed, of their shame. Remind them of their shame. And he said, yes, I've reminded them of their shame. But you know what? They've turned around and they've reminded you of your future. And the future is this. That Satan will be in the pit of hell. Amen. So whenever the enemy comes to try to bind you, Remind the enemy of his future. And remind yourself of, your, of, the, of the presence that you have, the, uh, that you have this, this authority. Right? And if I can end with this, I want to end with, this, with, with these two verses here. Because it calls for us to make a stand in verse 30, especially verse 25 and verse 30. That's where uh, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to land this. We can't remain. Div- we we we're not called to be. We're not called to remain divided, not divided in ourselves, and not divided amongst ourselves, right? So within and outside of that. And in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, it says this, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers that served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, Joshua says, and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, And Elijah came near to all of the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. The people did not answer him a word. James chapter, chapter 1 verse 8 says this, A double-minded man is unstable in his ways. Right? So there is a strong man. The strong man has dominion. But there is one greater than the strong man. Amen. There is one. And that's the reason why Christ came. That's the purpose. To take that authority, that power, and to give it to you and I. And when we get it, we need to exercise that, right? You know, this, this, this battery here, I thought I'll, I'll bring this closer. Now, my head is now coming in focus. Thank you. I should have warned you guys, huh? <laughs> now, if you see this, this battery here, right? This is a camera battery. This needs to be recharged. 
This is what you call a rechargeable battery. After it's used and it gets depleted, it needs to be charged. You know, our lives are like that. We go through life and there are things that leak out of us. And so, as much as we are the righteousness of Christ, as much as we have authority within us, all of that is tested in life. I mean, imagine the situation and the setting that we are in from, from the bushfires into coronavirus and now into this, uh, the, the, the sense of divisiveness that we find, the ripple effect that what's happened in the States now is happening here and several other places. And people are warring against one another. People are coming against one not recognizing the fact that there is the spirit realm that has, has actually come upon us. That's the thing. And that's what I want to leave you with. Recognize what the power is. Get back into that, into that source. Put this in the charger so that it would be charged to full, to, to, to 100%, so that it could cause that camera to begin to view the right things that it should, to capture the right things, so that your life can capture the very essence of what God is bringing you into. That you are that video camera, that you will capture everything that God says. And, and, and as you begin to capture that, it becomes your testimony. Right? It becomes your message. It becomes what you and I can stand on. So today, I want to bless you with this. Just close your eyes for a moment as the worship team comes up and as they begin to take us into a time of worship. 